Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you once again on this now Thursday, June 25th of 2020. We are always, we are always delighted uh, to have you come and join us as we study the Word of God together. No matter what part of the world you find yourself, it's there's nothing better than to fellowship, and it's it's not just a luxury. This is not a luxury. This is a necessity. Uh, the the word that is coming out is coming out of necessity, and those that are hungry are listening. And so we thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, we thank you for being part of these podcasts. We are endeavoring as we go forward to 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 speak what does say at the Lord, to give a warning, to encourage people, to tell people that Jesus Christ, that is the message that we preach, Jesus Christ is coming back again. So we are excited. Uh, we are close to going into Friday this weekend. And as we continue on our series, uh, The Ten Virgins, and what so much that we have gleaned from this uh from this parable that the Lord has given us and so much more to say. And I'm excited about what God has for us today. As we get ready to get into the word of God, it's always a pleasure to be with our panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, uh, to study the word of God together. It's always a privilege. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again. Another day to look into the word of the Lord, and we're happy as the Lord continues to pour forth his information, his His revelation of what he is trying to tell his church in this hour. We believe we have reached that midnight hour, and that's what we've been discussing over the last now seven podcasts on this parable of the uh, five wise and the five foolish virgins. And we pray that if you're just joining us, um that you would uh we would encourage you to go back and listen to each and every one uh, of of the parts in this series so that you can catch up and and get a really a fuller understanding of what it is that we've been speaking and what we believe the Lord is saying and so we begin again today uh, uh picking up where uh hopefully we left off tomorrow we'll do a little bit of a, a brief review but we're going to get into uh some more finer points here as as we're bringing this uh, parable to a to a close soon as the Lord allows. Um, there's so much that we're getting ready to head into, and I pray that it will uh, be a blessing and an encouragement and, and also uh, something that motivates each and every one of us to to really draw close to the Lord in these times. God is up to something, and, uh, and we're excited for what we believe uh, is transpiring. And though it looks dark on the outside there out in the world, it's it's bright and light in the houses of the children of the Lord. So, Brother Jeremy, would you begin again today, if you don't mind, uh, with, beginning with the fifth verse of chapter 25, and just read all the way through, if you would, uh, to verse uh, 11. Yes, yes. It says, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. 
But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Praise the Lord. Lord, Lord, open unto us. Probably one of the most tragic things ever recorded in the scripture is that statement from the foolish. We're going to be looking at that in in the coming day, uh, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, we'll get into that, or it might be today. We'll see. But I, again, I want to begin uh, by what Brother Jeremy was reading there and consider what is being said here in verse 5, where Brother Jeremy started. It talks about um, <clears throat> that they all slumbered and slept. Uh, that is the wise and the foolish, and uh, while the Lord tarried. And we've discussed that at length, and it, it's into this slumber, into this sleeping state that he finds the church. Now remember, what we're talking about again is that the Lord is answering three questions that were given by the apostles on the Mount of Olives just before he was going to go to Calvary. And he begins to unfold throughout chapter 24 the history of the prophetic events that would occur in his day, in, in the apostles' day, all the way up to our day. And one of the questions that they asked, which was the third question they asked, was, uh, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming? And then the third question was, and the end of the age, the end of the world. What will be the signal, the signs, the keys to understanding exactly and precisely when you are returning? And and, and why we, we continue to go over this is because it's vital to understanding the meaning and the timing of the parable. For many years, this parable has been interpreted as, as representing the, the lengthy time from when the Lord went back to heaven until he will return again, and the interim intervening period of time being a 2,000-year period of time. I suppose you could teach it that way, and it has been taught that way. But if we take it in context like we've been putting forward and, and we apply it to the plain sense of the scripture, then we then then when we look at it that way and, and why we review it that way is because chapter 25 in the parable of the five wise and five foolish is the answer of the Lord in story form uh, to alert us and to give us keys as to understanding timing, the timing of his return. And when you begin to look at it from that perspective, suddenly the scripture begins to open up in, in quite an extraordinary way. And it begins to focus us as to what generation he's actually talking to. And so that brought us to the threefold uh, message that is preached at midnight. We, we talked at length about it over the last couple of days. But again, we point out in verse six, where it says <clears throat> that at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom comes, go you out to meet him. So the message is threefold. The first is behold. The second is the bridegroom is coming. And the third is go out to meet him. And we began to systematically look at those three things that are being declared at midnight. The word behold is interesting as we've talked about because it is it is a loud call. It's a which is designed to 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 jar awake um, those that are asleep. And in the word behold, what we are being taught there is that 
what this person who's crying at midnight is, and we've discussed uh, briefly, you know, that this represents the voice of the Lord speaking through his servants at the midnight hour, at the final time, when we've crossed over into the final days, if you will, or the end time of human history as we've known it. And so the, the cry is being made and is being directed by the servant of the Lord. And the very first thing that he says is, behold. And we know that that word means something very fascinating and very interesting. It teaches us, first of all, it teaches us that it's possible uh, to be asleep when we should be awake. Yeah. See, the midnight hour arrives, right? The midnight hour arrives as the Lord points our attention to it in verse 6. And they're still sleeping. Let me say that again. The midnight hour has arrived. And the condition of the church at that time, which we believe is this time now, it has arrived and yet they're asleep. Even at the midnight hour, right? What it teaches us, therefore, is that it is possible to be asleep when we should be awake. And and so what right. the Lord does at that time is send uh, a message, a startling cry, something that that signals or, or that alerts those that are sleeping that something is going on. You know, that's when he crosses over and says, behold, the bridegroom cometh. So the first word there is to, to awaken the church up. And then to draw its attention to the fact, wake up because you've reached the midnight hour. There's there's something that's being revealed about you or revealed about the church of that time and this time now, which we believe. And that is what he's saying to them. He's saying, you've reached the midnight hour and you're totally asleep. So he sends his servant and says, wake up. And he tells them by saying, behold, what he's literally saying is you're asleep, you need to wake up, and you need to look around, and you need to discern what is actually transpired since you've fallen asleep. You know, I, I wanted to say this because uh, the Lord is giving us keys, remember, so that we can understand timing. He wants the the end-time generation to understand that there's going to be particular markers particular things that will set in motion uh, the, the, the the road that's going to lead to his second coming. Now, now when he says uh, it's midnight, it speaks of a darkness. And into this darkness, there's a startling cry that you need to discern what's happening all around you. Behold. And, and so when I was thinking about that, uh, I was thinking, okay, it is very similar to what we've seen and what we what we are witnessing right now. See, what happened at, at when the year began, and we've talked about this before, and you guys jump in whenever you want. Uh, uh, brothers, just speak whenever you want. But I want to put this forward because, <clears throat> because I believe, as we're saying again, is that the midnight hour arrives, the bride finds itself asleep, the virgins, and, and, and yet it's midnight. It doesn't say that he woke them up and then midnight arrived. He says they're mm-hmm. asleep and midnight is here, right? That's good. <laughs> right. And so it's as if the midnight hour has caused them to even be deeper asleep, and it's going to necessitate a message come on the scene 
that has not been being preached or declared all the way up to the midnight hour. And midnight's a very interesting thing as the Bible speaks of it, because we were talking about, you know, this parable was given during the Passover time. And whenever Jesus mentions midnight, it, it makes the Jewish mind, because that's who he was speaking to at the time, his disciples who were Jewish, and, and, and the Lord was crucified during the Passover season, and that's when this story is being given. Their minds are freshly alert to, to what midnight means. It means that, that the destroyer was about to come forth. And the destroyer, we say, uh, is about to come forth when he uses the word midnight, because that's when the children of Israel were released from slavery in Egypt. And so when Jesus references midnight, he's referencing everything that goes on around that metaphor, if you will. The Lord is using this metaphor to also signal something to us and to signal something to that end-time generation. Just like the destroyer was, was going to be released in the midnight hour in Egypt all those thousands of years ago, remember he's answering the third question of Matthew 24, 3, what shall be the sign of the end of the world? He uses the metaphor of midnight in order to even more refine and hone our understanding as to what particular time he's talking about. And the destroyer, as it was in the story of the book of Exodus, when he came through the midnight hour and began to, uh, to, to exert you know, judgment on Egypt, he's literally telling us and alerting us that when midnight has come, that 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 all the virgins are asleep and have no idea that what's actually arrived is that the destroyer, or in our time we could say at least the spirit of the destroyer has begun to be released. And it, and it requires that his servants begin to stand up and begin to proclaim to an asleep church that they are not discerning the time that they're in. And that's why the midnight cry begins with, Behold, open your eyes discern something so i want to ask you something here and, and you can give me your opinions or jump in whenever you want there so therefore we need to look for something that is a startling event something that really mm. shakes shook things up <laughs> put it that way because in we you know because god doesn't only the voice of the lord does not only come through his his individual human servants the voice of the Lord can be seen, like David said, on the waters. The voice of the Lord is in the wind. The voice of the Lord is in the thunder. The voice yes. of the Lord can be seen and discerned in, in prophetic events, events that shake the world. And so that's why we were putting forth that we believe that that first startling voice of the Lord began when this pandemic, this coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, uh, appeared suddenly as we came into the year 2020. And what began to happen is a plague was released across the world. And the nations of the world began to uh, suffer the effects of it. And we saw it coming from this country, from this land. And as we go on in the study, what we're going to focus in on, and and I'm just going to lay it out there, man, you know, and, and at this point in my life, I really don't care what anyone has to say, because you know what's happened, brothers, is over the last hundred years or so, so much doctrine and, and, 
that supposed theology has emerged in the in, in the charismatic Pentecostal uh, churches and, and even among denominational worlds that have so uh, boxed in understanding and 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 perception so that even when you use particular words that are scriptural people's minds at least those who have been around the church long enough automatically go to a concluding thought they have no room therefore for the holy spirit to come in and say hey maybe that isn't exactly the way it really is it's been designed by men who have formulated ideas concepts and and spiritual thought based on the events of their time, but not fully and and truly discerned. And and remember, we put that that thought forward early on in our podcast when we talked about the the turn of the 20th century, at the beginning of the early 1900s, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Azusa Street and in Wales, and 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 so forth and so on from out of which emerged the Pentecostal and charismatic churches, which became the greatest force for evangelism and missionary work around the world up until that point. It exploded from that point. And then we had the recapture of Jerusalem by the Western Christianized powers of the world, stripping the, 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 the control of the, of the Islamic Turks who had control over Jerusalem for hundreds of years and ran them out. And the theologians of that day got very, very excited and wrote books and began to tell people that Jesus was eminent. He was about to return. He's about to appear because Jerusalem was now in the hands of of the West. And that meant that Israel was about to be reborn as a nation, so forth and so on. And so they developed all these theological concepts and what we call fancy word eschatology, right, which is the study of last day things. But the truth of the matter is, is that their timing was off. They did not interpret the prophecies correctly had they read the rest of the book in the light of the Holy Spirit, then they would have understood that there was a whole bunch of other prophetic events that had to transpire. And that's why we came to verse 5 of this story where it says, the bridegroom tarried and they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight, so then he draws their attention to midnight and says, Something finds the church asleep, but the midnight hour has arrived. And he's using, again, that Passover language, right? And he's saying they're asleep, and the destroyer is being released, and they don't even know it. And so events coupled with preaching, not just because we've got to look at it the right way here. The voice of the Lord is not only defined as a person speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but the voice of the Lord is also seen for the spiritually discerning in the events of any particular given historical moment of time. And that's what we saw happen at the beginning of this year. I believe that it is, it is, it is already a midnight event in the sense that it came on the scene and has shaken the world awake. So many things have happened, the pandemic, the, colla- the collapse of the economy, the you know the 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 rise of of evil and perversions being sanctioned by law the 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 rioting the looting the burning down of of churches the removing of of our history the the absolute attack on everything sacred and 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 beautiful and holy is well underway right couple that with the natural signs that we've been seeing right earthquakes and dust storms coming across the Atlantic, you know, and 
and and the locusts throughout Africa. And it, I mean, the list is endless. All of these are the voice of the Lord. And so he has literally sent forth a shout into the mm-hmm. earth. And what is happening is is the first thing that, that is being declared is wake up because you're not discerning what is going on. And when Jesus draws our attention to midnight, it's possible that what he was saying for that end time generation is that that the spirit of the destroyer is going to be released and has already begun to be released. Why do you say that? I'm saying that because what we are seeing right before our eyes now, for those who can see and can hear, is a move towards uh, globalism, a move toward everything that is the antithesis of what represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And now they're boldly coming out proclaiming they want to tear down the churches, break the stained glass windows, destroy any representation of Jesus Christ, because really it was a plot by the European white race, right, to oppress and enslave people. They're attacking the Lord. Right. The slavery that is, 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 is here in our nation is called socialism. Right. It, is seeking, it is seeking to enslave everyone. Yes. But again, behind this socialist agenda by the liberal left-wingers is what's waiting in the wings is the spirit of this age who the Bible says will enslave the whole world. Right. Right. That's what it seeks to do. This is what's coming. It is a spirit that is looking to uh, enslave the whole world. We're being put to sleep. Right? Yeah. Our rights are being taken from us. You know, they're, they're taking the rug from underneath our feet, and we don't know it. And this is, a, yeah. this is causing a slumber if we have eyes to see. Very much so. And, and again, this is why the Lord points out the message at midnight. You know, he says, behold. Because what you're literally saying, Brother Fernando, there, at least as I as I hear you, is that is that the the agenda, the 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 what the what the world media, what what even the backslidden church or the undiscerning part of the church, all the voices that are speaking right now are focusing on what they want your attention drawn to, so that they can move you along. And and, uh, and and cause you to think and to see what they see or what they want you to see. But that's why the Lord addresses his people in this parable and says, when those times arrive, he says, what's going to be necessary and, and, and the times themselves should dictate to you, number one, wake up, because this this has come upon you. You are now right between the morning and the evening is what he's saying at midnight. Brother Jeremy, would you? There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 21, I think it is. 21. Let me look. turn over there and read that to us, just for a perspective of what what midnight also means. 21, verse uh, 12. Can you read that to us, 21. Isaiah 21? Yeah. Yes, I can. It's um, the watchman said, "The morning cometh." And also the night, if you will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. So what he says of the watchman is the watchman cometh. And and what does he say there between what, Brother Jeremy? Read that again real slow. It says there, 
It says, he cometh, the morning cometh and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. Yes. Okay. And so, you know, to take it in context, he's basically talking about Babylon, and he's also talking about Duma, which is another subject which we might get into tomorrow. Because Duma is, is the mysterious, mystical name for something known as Edom. Edom are, is the name that was given to Esau, the brother of Jacob. And from Edom came the Roman Empire. And so <clears throat> that's what he's addressing, you know, just to put it in context. But he says something interesting about the watchman. The watchman being the servant of the Lord. And he draws the attention of the watchman and he has him in place. And he makes that interesting statement. Can you read that again? Verse 12. Yes. The watchman said, the morning cometh and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. Right. So we have there, what he's referencing midnight. And the, the watchman right. is saying there's something specific at midnight. Because when you meet, when you reach midnight, it is both the, the perfect in-between between the night and the morning. And and that is why Jesus is drawing our attention in the parable to the in-between. It's the midnight. It, it is the referencing that it is both nighttime and it is both morning. In other words, the, the result is going to be the two. It is a darkness that will come upon in judgment upon the face of the earth, but it is also going to be a morning time for his children. That's where he ends up finishing the parable, right? And so he's drawing our attention there, and the principle is applied. Because he's trying to tell us the cry that's going to be made, which we believe has already gone forth, and which we're defining as more than just preaching. It is the preaching that occurs both in the spiritual sense, but also in the natural sense. Because the voice of the Lord can be heard, discerned, and seen not only in the preaching of the declaration of a message, but also what nature and the signs of the natural uh, also tell us. It's God speaking. That's why when Jesus was asked, well, let's just turn over there in Matthew 24 and check this out, because in Matthew 24, he uh, he talks about uh, the end of time here, and he begins to say, uh, Look what he says. He says, many in verse 5, 24, 5, he says, many are going to come in my name. And they're going to say that I am Christ, and they shall deceive many. In other words, you can interpret that in two ways. He's going to say there's going to be people that claim to be Christ. But I read it in this way, that some will come and admit that Jesus is the Lord, but it's a ruse uh, to deceive. They're going to deceive many because they seem to identify as 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 those that 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 adhere to, to Jesus being the Christ. But he says the truth of the matter is is that they are deceivers. And by that declaration that they serve the Lord, they're actually going to deceive many people. So we're talking about the voice of the Lord. Verse 6, he says, you're going to hear about wars and rumors of war. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. He says, nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. But now he changes uh, from speaking uh, uh, about humanity as a whole, and then also includes as signs or, or things that we're to pay attention to as famines, pestilences, like coronavirus, right? Earthquakes mm -hmm. in different places. And he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. So the voice of the Lord can be seen 
or the signs of the Lord can be seen not only in what takes place amongst uh, the human population, but what also happens in nature. I'm just going to throw this out there. A couple of, I was looking at this yesterday. Do you know that that at the top of the world, in the coldest part of the world, in the Arctic Circle, that the last several days, the temperature has been 100.4 degrees, and that that is 40 degrees above normal. Uh, and Jesus, <laughs> 40 degrees, and we're not talking about, you know, two or three degrees here. We're talking about 40 degrees above normal in the coldest place of the earth. Now, if you can see it and discern it, that is how God talks. He takes the most unusual things and he's trying to say something now taken in an isolated event that would be one thing but it's happening as all this other stuff we've been talking about is happening again nature itself is reflecting earthquakes just have there was a you you started our podcast yesterday brother jeremy 7.4 earthquake off the coast there of mexico shaking oaxaca mexico and honduras and central america we had an earthquake yesterday in central california uh, which shook, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, no again, think, yeah. right. Well, actually, it was Lone Pine up by the uh, up on the mountains there. That's the center of where it happened. Six six point two. Oh, something really? Like okay. That. Yeah, and they felt it all the way over there in Fresno. It was it was a big one. I saw films of it. Uh, smoke was rising, rocks collapsing from Mount Whitney, and all that kind of stuff. It's quite amazing. But again, taken as isolated events, they mean nothing. I mean, they're just nature being nature, but taken together at the same time with all the other things that are happening, like like Brother Jeremy pointed out a couple of days ago, that huge dust cloud that's coming off of the coast. I guess it's hitting now in, in Houston and, 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 and those places getting ready to hit. And it's bad. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. interesting where it's hitting because it's, it's sure. dust and dust particles. And and uh, and we've got this whole virus thing now taking place in Texas, and now it's going to be hit with a dust cloud from that had its origins in Africa, in the Sahara wow. Desert. I mean, that's bizarre, <laughs> man. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's craziness. So you throw that you throw that in the mix, and, and now you've got several events taking place, as well as the events that we're all going through at the time, the lockdown, the pandemic, the economic collapsing, the rioting in the streets, the desecration of historical sites, the burning down of churches, on and on and on. And now they're attacking Jesus, coupled with Supreme Court decisions that have been made recently, celebrating and sanctioning at the highest levels of law the perversions that the Bible specifically says are an abomination to God and incur his wrath. All of it happening simultaneously, and that's why it has to be paid attention to. Any event Brother, taking wow, yes, Brother Marty, um, you you see a, a, a nice picture, a, a very good picture of this in the Song of Solomon. Mm. What is it that initiates the bride to begin? What was the calling of that bride to go and look for her bridegroom? In chapter yeah. 3 and verse 1, I guess if it's okay, I just wanted to read two verses that I think fits for what we're talking about. Look at this. It was by night. That's what the Bible says, by night. And you, and you look at the word night, it talks about the midnight hour. Right. It says, as, as I was on my bed, that's when I sought him whom my soul loved. I sought him, but I found him not. 
And she says, I will rise now, right? The virgins, right, are rising. And go yeah. about the city, in the streets, and in the broadways, I will seek him. Whom my soul loved, I saw him, but he says, but I found him not. And the watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, saw you him whom my soul loved. So we see that what initiates a, a, and, and beckons this bride to be, this virgin, is, is at night, the midnight hour, where she begins to go to meet um, her, her bridegroom. But in that going, there's so many things when you read in chapter 5 of Song of Solomon, all these things that she encounters. But it does not deter her. And at the end, she says, tell him if you see him, you know, that I love him. But I, I just see a picture of that, uh, of what you're talking about. What initiates this bride to go is at midnight. Yes. To go and seek the one she loves. Beautiful, and, and, beautiful. Uh, so. Right. And and that's that's what, what we're seeing here, right, is he says at midnight. That that this is what's going to draw her out, right? There's so yeah. there's a confluence of events, a shaking, a, a, a necessary awakening. The scary thought, brothers and sisters, is that the midnight hour came and they were asleep at the midnight hour, and we know from that that the 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 destroyer in the Passover story was released at the midnight hour. So the bride finds herself both the good and bad, the foolish and the wise, both asleep at a time specifically that Jesus is referencing that the spirit of the destroyer is coming and that he already has been released because he used that word midnight. And and that is what we're seeing. The events that are taking place in our culture right now are so insane, so absolutely without equal in the 60 years I've been alive, at least, and those listening that are older than me, <laughs> I mean, we've seen events in this country, and that's really where our attention is focused right now. And and I don't even know how deep I can really go without causing people to absolutely freak out. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell them to go there. But, but see, but, 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 this, but brother Marty, brother Marty, yeah. see, I, I wanted to say something else too because I want to speak to the believer and especially the listeners that are ta- that are that are listening because I think. If I understood your question, too, you were also asking, like, pretty much, what do you do when what we're saying doesn't fit your eschatology, right? Yes, <laughs> we're we're going to have if if we really want to hear from God, and, and I'm just going to speak from my experience, you know, I, I've been taught, I mean, I, I've never changed from what I know salvation is, but there's certain things, a lot of things that I knew about eschatology, like the things of the concerning the coming of the Lord, you know, I believed them because my pastor said it, you know, because so-and-so, and, and I read a little bit of, you know, the books on it. But as I got older and I read the word for myself, I had to come to the conclusion. That's what I want to tell the people, that it, sometimes to really hear from God, you're going to have to let go of some of those traditions and some of those thinkings that do not line with the word of God. If you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to be able to. I'm not speaking about your, you know, what you say about what you believe of salvation, you know, in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about things like the end times. And and uh, I've noticed as I've grown, I, I don't see things the same because I've read it in the Word or have not seen it in the Word of God. You get what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. we're going to be have to be willing to 
to let go of some of those traditional theological positions that we have if they do not allow if they do not align with the word of God. So Yeah, and I, I think that's why it's important that we're that we I mean we're seven plus hours into this into this study and and you know I think that the Lord is is really keeping us here because and we keep returning back and dealing with some of the same subject matter we've been dealing with but each and every time we explore it much more is coming out you know we need to drive home the thought that the Lord is communicating to us here I I go back to the behold because it's vital to understand that the behold declaration at the midnight hour is once again to to shake us and to alert us that we are not discerning the midnight hour. And what that reveals is, is, is just what that reveals. And it's scary. Because as we talked about yesterday, the scripture concludes in the end of time with the declaration that judgment will come, that God will rescue his church, but that there is going to be times of darkness that will come upon the face of the earth to where even the church itself will come up under some incredibly horrible times. And what is, what, is, what is incredibly sad to me is that we have reached the apex of, of, of history, I believe, and, and we now find ourselves in this nation, in this country that was the freest, most prospered, beacon of hope for for a republic democracy around the world where any man right. from anywhere could come here by the blessing of the lord from sea to shining sea right i mean this is you know on our money and god we trust you know we're a judeo-christian societies you know i pledge allegiance to the flag one nation under god all that stuff has gone by the wayside and the united states stands as the only nation between uh, absolute darkness overtaking the planet, and 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 it's a wall and a barrier to it. But why we see such ferocity taking place right now? And oh God, help me here, because look, I don't want to scare anybody. But there's a lot of things that we haven't even begun to share yet in the Word, and we're going to lay our case out. But this country. It has entered its midnight hour, and we've had many, many right. discussions about this where people, um, you know, and, and to make statements like that, I realize, you know, I'm putting myself out there. I don't really care. I hope I'm wrong. I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think anymore. I care about God's people. I care that all of us, our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, our grandchildren, our children, get shaken out of this complacency and and this this uh, uh, asleepness the slumber that came upon us as a result of an inadequate unsanctified unconsecrated uninspired ministry that has led the church in this nation to the position that it finds itself in right now absolutely mm-hmm. undiscerning not through the fault of the people but through the fault of the ministry and it is why the voice comes that's what Jesus is saying. It is why the voice came at midnight. It's a voice that's outside of the position where they all find themselves asleep. It's a voice that brings a message that bursts onto the scene with a loud, piercing cry that is strong enough, both natural and spiritual events, that wakes them up enough and long enough to hear something 
and that is this. You are not looking at your times correctly. Behold, mm. open your eyes, mm. wake up, and discern what is happening. Well, the question would then preclude what he says next, which is, well, what is it that we're supposed to open our eyes and, and discern what's happening? Because Brother Fernando said early on, right? You said, man, everybody thinks it's about this. They think it's about racism. They think it's about, you know, whatever they think it's about. But the cry is, open your eyes and discern what's actually happening. The church then has to, it's written in there the way Jesus speaks it, will ask the question, what's happening? And the response is, the bridegroom is coming. See, (laughs) the message at midnight, it is unique because it is something that the Lord Jesus reveals to us right there that has to be discerned. It has to be Mm -hmm. discerned. You cannot, right? You can't mentally ascend to it. That's that's theology. That's right. that's, that's eschatology, right? That's 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 just gathering information and you know laying your charts out on the wall and you know all this stuff that they do in the Bible college. <laughs> just right. I mean that that ain't how it's happening. Jesus said, "You won't be able right. to discern it that way." That's that's having your lamp without oil, right? That's lamps yeah. without oil. So he's saying. Wake up and discern, and then the question is, well, what are we supposed to discern, Lord? He says, the bridegroom's coming. So the message is unique because it's something that the Lord reveals has to be discerned. It's also unique in church history. Because unlike all the previous generations, what Jesus is trying to say to this end-time generation, the sign of the end of the world, the church at the end of the world, it's unique in church history because unlike the previous generations, this message that the bridegroom, uh, the bridegroom's return is eminent in its fullness, it's always been meant for the final generation, that message, that he's coming. Yes. And all other generations, I mean, they were waiting and watching throughout the years, right? Sometimes feeling like they had signs or events at their time and that those were the signal uh, to them. But but truth the truth is, the signs and the different events that has happened over the last 2,000 years, they were signs to them, but they were more reminders at any given point in time of history. They were reminders that this world isn't your home, and that and it almost shakes a, a culture or a generation out of its slumber. Or it's, 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 it's nodding off, right? I mean, they're meant to, they were meant to be reminders to them. Yes, there is an end coming, but it wasn't for their time. Again, remember, like we discussed in the other podcast in this series, the generation that the Lord is referring to is one that experiences an initial excitement. Read verse 1 to us, Brother Jeremy, that initial excitement. Verse 1. Yes, it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Notice what they did. He says there's a triggering event that suddenly they all go forth. They went forth to meet the bridegroom. So this, what Jesus was revealing was that early on, they would have a collective sense that he's on his way. It gripped them. They went forth. But we talked about that early on in, 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 the, in the first few podcasts. We believe it represented the 20th century, the beginning of the 20th century, and all the events that have transpired since then 
and, and all the decades that have been very much filled with signs. But each and every generation, whether it was in the in the tens, the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, and even the nineties, all thought he was coming. But he tarried. They went forth to meet him. But understand what his tarrying or his delay or his perceived delay really revealed. What it revealed, brothers, was that their understanding of prophetic timing was off. Right. Mm. Right. It was Powerful. off. And 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 while it's true that the signs were signals, signals are totally different from actual declaration, because that's what we see in verse six. Verse one, they go off, but there's no message being given in verse one that he's actually about to appear. There's just something that makes them think that. <laughs> that's why he tarries their timing was off and it put them all to sleep the church of this final end of the age has experienced that especially in this country brother fernando you shared it several days ago when you talked about the american experiment is basically the culmination of every tribe every tongue every language being brought into one location unique amongst nations but almost like the full flowering of what the judeo-christian revival throughout the west culminated with the united states of america so it is the biggest completest fullness expression of the church as it is visibly seen throughout history. It's not a Chinese church, an Italian church, a, a French church, you know, it's not a British church. It's all of them in one nation. Right. Right? So in that sense, it is the fullness of the church expressed and it is the final nation that was that was born, wasn't it? Right? As they came across the sea. So and, and look the, the predominant the predominant teaching since we're on it the predominant teaching in, in the West and America uh, concerning timing and eschatology uh, and concerning end time events is what they call the pre-tribulation teaching, which teaches right. uh, that nothing has to take place. Uh, all the signs are fulfilled and Jesus can come at any moment. That's what they call imminence. Right, nothing has right. to be fulfilled. Um, that's not what that's not what the Bible teaches. This is specifically Second <laughs> no, Thessalon- Thessalonians, uh, right. chapter two. Right, right. Uh, it right. gives us a, a set of signs that have to take place: a falling away, and the man of sin has to be revealed. Right now, yeah. it, this is where the people are going to have to study to see if what was being taught to us today is correct or not. Again, this doesn't mean you lose your salvation, right? right? Even the Thessalonians didn't didn't have the timing right, and Paul has to correct them. Hey, the day of the Lord has not taken place, so relax. You, you, we can <laughs> talk these things, right? So, so yeah. we we can have it wrong. Doesn't mean you lose you know you you lose your soul or you're not saved or you break fellowship with people. You know that's not what we're saying, but but we do have to get to that place where we know. Uh, the timing of this. We may not know the day or the hour, but we can get to the season of it. We can understand the seasons, the times and the seasons. That's what Paul said uh, we could understand, right? And, 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 and I'll challenge. I'll challenge the people there. 
the Bible, number one, a pre-tribulation teaching. That's 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 something that it's made up. You're not going to find that terminology in Scripture, right? Right. The, the Bible says we're never says that we're not appointed to trib to tribulation, but actually it promises we're going to go through tribulation. Uh, the yes. thing that the Bible promises we won't go through is wrath. We are wrath. not appointed to wrath. There is a difference between the Huge two. Difference. Yes. It is not and even tribulation, right? It, we're going to go through tribulation. What we're not going to go through is wrath. So I would challenge the people, search scripture and yes. find out when wrath begins. And I guarantee you, you'll see a rapture there right after or, or before that, before the rapture yeah. takes place. But but it's going to challenge your eschatology when you right. see it. And, right. And, and and again, like you're pointing out, that that's that's such a uniquely Western concept, right? Because the fact of the mm-hmm. matter is is ninety five percent of the rest of the Christian world has been up under incredible persecution and suffering for the last hundred years. In China, they're they're burning down their churches, they're killing their pastors, they're jailing their their, fa- uh, their 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 grandpas and aunts and uncles. They're separating children from their parents. In Africa, they're just flat out slaughtering Christians in the name of their false gods. In in uh, <laughs> in, in 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 the different places of the world, of South and Central America, and the islands of the sea, in the Middle East. I mean, my goodness, everywhere you look, Christians are suffering, dying, laying down their lives, and being persecuted for the cause of Christ. But when you come to the United States, you have the fair-haired boys on television uh, flying around in their private jets, living in their mansions, and and selling a bill of goods to an overfed, overstuffed, completely lazy church that has been brought to that point by these compromised ministries and churches that developed over the last 30 and 40 years to where we are now to where the church has hitched itself to a political movement or a political party and even the compromise has joined with the very ones that are swearing that they want to tear down any imagery of the jesus they claim to serve this is insanity and this is where we've reached and so when we talk about the midnight hour has come to the shores of america it is with that perspective on a much holistic type point of view, a, a fuller view, an expression of what Jesus is revealing here. Because what I believe he's revealing here is so far more profound than we've ever really considered. But again, like we said, understand that the triggering event of Matthew 25, verse 1, right? They all go forth to meet the bridegroom, yet without a message. See, the message doesn't come until the midnight hour that he's eminent, his return is eminent. But yet they set off because they had a collective sense, like we were saying, that that he was on his way. And, and we talked about that quite possibly representing the entirety of the of the first century, uh, the first hundred years, right? 20th century is what I'm talking about, into the 21st century where we find ourselves now. The last hundred years. But he tarried. He didn't come when they thought. You know, his, his right. perceived delay, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't that he wasn't coming because the events were astounding. Like the capture of Jerusalem in 1917, that, that shook the theological world because it hadn't been seen in 2,000 years. And they began, there were a whole movement started out of that. 
you know, that, 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 you know, people sold their houses and went and hung out on top of mountaintops thinking he was coming at any moment, but he didn't say he was coming. Right. It was because they were, they were undiscerning. And when he didn't come, they slumbered and they slept. That's what he's revealing. His yeah. delay didn't mean that he wasn't coming. It's just their timing was off. And, and when we get to Matthew 26, now an actual declaration is being made that the bridegroom is coming. But now the church is in a, an absolute asleep, slumbering position. And, and it, it has to be shaken by both natural events and preaching events, by a clarity of voice and declaration that he's actually on his way. And that is what, again, right, I want to talk about slow this down real quick because I know we've been talking for a while, but listen, this is a divine action that we're talking about here at midnight. It is the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when the when the declaration comes forth at midnight, it's designed to separate and protect his own people. But also the foolish become dangerous. You're going to see that in a second here. They become dangerous. And the wise are going to begin to see it, and, and, and it's going to break fellowship. Because up until this point, they've all been merged as one. Jesus, from the beginning, says who they really are, five wise, five foolish. But they themselves are collectively still hanging out together. It's only at this time and the beginning of this and the revelation that Jesus is coming and that they're going to have to come out to meet him that they begin to separate and tear apart. I mean, let, let's look at it again, because, it, 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 Brother Jeremy, would you read verse 7 and verse 8? Yes. It says, um, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. So as we talked about yesterday, we encourage you to go back and take a look at what we're talking about when it, when it talks about the trimming of the lamp to get more in depth there. But let, what do they do when they begin to trim their lamp at this time specific? And here we go. Jesus is giving us the key now. Again, in verse 8, he addresses the foolish. He wants us at this time, he says. Uh, to understand that the foolish are not your brothers and sisters in the Lord. For, for too long, they've been portrayed as just kind of people that are lackadaisical or that, you know, really aren't as spiritually intense as the wise. But what Jesus is actually revealing is they're neither of that. They're, they're not lazy and they're not lackadaisical and they're not this or that. They're not your brothers. And they've been sewn uh, into the church by the enemy. And, right. and they've been meshed together. He uses the word foolish. How do, how do we know they're not our brother? He, he, he wants us to know by the word that he uses. And I went back and looked this up again this morning because he keeps driving this point home. The word foolish comes from the gr Greek word morose. It literally means to be dull, to be stupid. But it also means to be heedless and to be morally absurd, to be morally absurd. And it comes from the Greek word mysterion, mysterion. And listen to this, because the two go hand in hand. So when he says foolish, he's saying these are dull, 
heedless, morally absurd, absurd people that are hanging out with the wise up until this point. And and they and it and they also it also means this because the root word of morose uh, morose comes from the from the root word mysterion, which means this. Listen to this. It speaks of the hidden or secret things of God. So in other words, at this midnight cry, they cannot understand or see. That is the foolish because it's hidden from them. It is hidden because they have no oil, and it is and 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 it's revealed uh, to the wise at this moment that they are not what they looked like they were. And and one of the definitions that the interpreters of these Greek words give in in the lexicon I was looking at, one of the definitions he says of the word foolish is this. It speaks of God. Now listen to this. It speaks that the secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden, are hidden from the ungodly and the wicked men, but they are plain to the godly. They are plain to those who have light. All of that mm-hmm. is wrapped up in what Jesus is saying when he says the foolish said to the wise. It is the midnight hour. It is the midnight cry. It is the alerting that now Jesus is eminent, that he's coming. We know that the spirit of the destroyer has been released because midnight is symbolic of that. We know that the awakening has to take place. And that what's being declared is you need to discern something. You need to discern that what all these events are telling you all around you is that the bridegroom is on his way. The result of that declaration is going to cause the church, the ten, to come out. Because what they're being told is you're going to have to come out and go meet him. And when they do that, they know they're getting ready to head out into the darkness, and they begin to trim their lamps. We talked about the lamps being composed of three parts, right? The lamp itself, the wick, and the oil. We talked about the wick representing a a person's soul because it's the only independent thing. The lamp and the oil together flow through the wick and create a light. That's your soul. We don't have time to get into all that. But the message begins to distinguish the two. And notice what the Lord reveals next about the foolish. First, he calls them foolish again, and he's letting us know that they're morally absurd people. They are the ungodly. They have mixed themselves in. That's what Brother Fernando was just talking about. This is what the Lord is revealing in this story, is that at the end, it's going to be made very apparent to the wise who they are. And for years, I have have looked at these stories, and the Lord has, you know, I've always asked the question, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem to be keeping in, you know, in the spirit of who you are, Lord, that the wise don't want to share right. their oil, right? It just doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Because you always commend right. us, give and it shall be given, all that stuff, right? But not here. Exactly. Not, right? Not here and not now. And there's a reason, as we know, right? We've been talking about it. what the Lord is revealing next. It's key to our time. And Brother Fernando, you touched on it just a second ago. The foolish, that is the morally absurd, heedless, dull, and stupid, he doesn't talk about his church that way. They're not real. They're phony. They're the falling away church. They're the fake. They're the pretenders to the promise, you know. He says, the foolish said, in verse 8, the foolish said, that's the first thing he says. The word said, 
uh, it literally means to command or to tell them. So check this out. When this message comes and they all begin to respond to it, an aggressive nature begins to, to rise up in these five foolish. When it says they said to the wise, the Lord is revealing that, that their personalities are now being revealed, what they really are at the end of time. They begin to command the wise. They begin to tell the wise what? Give us. And that word means, the word give us of your oil. The word give us is, what they're commanding the wise to do is to supply them, to furnish what is necessary for their own life. And there's another de definition. It, it means this. To give what they're literally saying, what they're commanding now. This isn't. This isn't like. Could you guys please give us some oil? No, no. He says that an aggressive nature is going to manifest itself at midnight. Out of out of this phony and false component of humanity, really, that an aggressive nature is going to appear, and it's going to be directed at the saints of God. And, and, and we're, and we're already we're already seeing that aggressive nature uh, with what's happening in the streets throughout our nation. Well, that's where and we are. Means, so wait, yeah, wait. That, listen. <laughs> so this is what yeah, he's saying ahead. to us. This is the key. This right. is a key to the wise. He says, "Look, suddenly, when earth-shaking events transpire, and you wake up, and it begins to dawn, you begin to discern." that what you're actually seeing is alerting you, wise people, that the bridegroom is coming. To further solidify that the message is true, he draws our attention to the foolish and lets them manifest their personality. They begin to command right. and, and demand. And what they're demanding is a supply of, to furnish something that they don't have. And, and another definition is this, give to give what is due or obligatory. In other words, you owe us this. To give, to give handouts. Bro, that's what it says. <laughs> if you go through all the words, it literally says, give us handouts. Lots and lots of handouts. Mm -hmm. But also, brother, to further solidify the, the, the aggressive nature it means with the sense also of striking with the palm of the hand. So all of that is wrapped up in when they say, give us your oil. Jesus is revealing that an aggressive nature is going to manifest in the last time. And at the root of it is going to be a violent intent, striking with the palm of the hand, demanding something from the wise, demanding uh you know, with the with the with the sense that that we owe them something. So, what is the and Lord I, teaching? I, I think, and and also a demand, since they have the oil. What is your interpretation of the Bible? Right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. like, it, what, how do you see Scripture? Because based on your answer, you know, it you're either going to embrace what they're saying or like. There, there, it's that you're going to receive that aggressive uh, nature that they're uh, displaying, right? Um, yeah, and think about, brother, what you're saying there, 
yeah, no, I I see that too because because remember, up until this point, we all think it's one church, right? It's just some are better than others, right. some are more intense than others. No, no, no. It's isn't it interesting that what we've been seeing in the culture, bro? Uh, at, like when the president went over to the, the church and held up his Bible, right? Uh, the next day, we were flooded with Episcopalians and Catholic bishops and, you know, uh, N- NAACP preachers from the South and on and on and on uh, coming out of the woodwork talking about what a horrible thing it was that he went to the church. And these are these are denominations that are ordaining homosexuals, by the way. Right. So they right. hold absolutely no they hold absolutely no uh, validity in their opinion with me. But again, it divided, right? I, I'm not preaching no political party. Trust me, I'm looking for Jesus to come back. But what you're saying is right. You know, give us of your oil. What's your interpretation of, of what's going on? That's that's an interesting way to look at it. But again, what you said earlier, and you touched on earlier in the podcast, what are we seeing right now? We're seeing an aggressive nature rise. And the very same right. thing that Jesus said, what are they telling us to do? Give us reparation give us this and give us that and you know but it's with a violent intent that's why these these wise right that's why the wise couldn't uh give them anything because they're not brothers what the lord is teaching remember they were together as 10 is that a shift is going to occur the midnight hour is meant to reveal to the wise, at our time, now, I believe, to reveal that the days have indeed arrived. Remember again, give us of your oil, like you were saying. This is key. Because the oil, this is the collective soul and spirit of the godless, right? And it's exposed at the midnight hour, what they really are, what they're really like. It is a key for us to understand the time that, in fact, yes, the bridegroom is coming. The wise will discern it. They become a demanding, aggressive bunch, man. And they seek to control the wise and take from the wise. That is God's saints, right? They want to take from us. And they want to take from us, right, in a hostile way. What are they taking from us right now? Our history. Remember, the destroyer has been loose. His, His spirit is already moving throughout the world. But in this nation in particular, it's come to our shores now. Judgment has come to America. And her asleep church, her undiscerning church, cannot see it. They have no oil. But an aggressive hostility has arisen, a collective hostility. The Lord Jesus then reveals an incredibly frightening truth. What do they say? They say, our lamps are gone out. This scares me to death, what he's revealing here. Because remember, like we mentioned the other day, the trimming of the lamp is is the trimming of the wick or the soul. It represents your soul. And what he's literally saying is that their souls have become darkened. Give us of your oil. Are we seeing this now? Can you can can we really discern that a godless collective demanding with aggression handout do what we say, we're obliged to do what they say. That's what is wrapped up in the in the foolish saying, give us of your oil. You break down those words and you'll see that is exactly what he's telling us to look for. 
So we're, we're, we're talking to those who can see and can hear right now, right? right. You know, it, it, it was the statements <laughs> that were made by the foolish that alerted the wise. It alerted them. You're about to see things clearly, those of you that are listening out there, because that's what Jesus is saying to us at these times, and we are living in them right now. It is these events, what you're witnessing, and what we're talking about right now, about the foolish, they're all rioting where? In what was once known as the Judeo-Christian West. The foolish are rising to the surface now. They are aggressive, they're demanding, and they're tearing things down. And, and And the wise are going to be able to see these things even much more clearer than they're seeing now, but not just from the perspective of, my God, you know, these people are manifesting what they're really like. No. It's going to really filter into your soul and your spirit what no generation previous to ours has ever experienced before. Because it's called Great Tribulation on its way, right? It's the final 32 months of human history. It's never been experienced. Jesus said there'll never be days like this again, ever. They've begun. And that is the hardest part for people to wrap their mind around. We can't we can't even fathom it. We can't even go there. It puts us in tilt. It shakes us to the core if you spend enough time looking at it. If you're if you're awake by the spirit, because remember the wise had oil. The oil began to flow and it and it lights their soul. The foolish have no soul anymore. Why? Because of the times and the division. The time of the separation has begun. And the false church and all the crazy people in it, they're going to get worse. And they're not your brothers and sisters. I ain't preaching no denomination to anybody. I'm not even pointing Mm -hmm. anyone to this church or that church, and neither are you guys, right? I mean... We're just talking to you about the Bible. You take it and leave it for whatever you want. But we are warning you, as we are being warned. We are learning from the words of the Master. What do we see in verse 9? How did the wise respond to these times? And and, and it gives us a, a clue as to how we're supposed to respond when they come down the uh, – I live over here in Nevada in a tiny little town in Nevada, right? I mean, considering all the big cities in America – And I would have never thought that just a few weeks ago, we would have had a whole bunch of people bust in from Berkeley and Oakland and San Francisco, burning down the downtown of of our city. I mean, they're insane. You know, I mean, insane. That never happens where we live, but it is now. It's incredible what's taking place. And this idea that, you know, again, this is Jesus giving us this insight and and revelation in this parable that a separation is going to take place. You know, here in the West, we have an idea of Jesus being cool with everybody. and He was cool with everybody and everybody loved him and followed him. That's not what you see in his ministry. (laughs) That's That's not what you see in his ministry. Okay. He, 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 you know, even in his own inner circle, and we spoke about this before the podcast, he had to to deal with that separation, right? A, a, a Judas was was taken over by the, the Satan entered him, and he separated himself. 
you know. So this this happened even in Jesus' inner circle. This is going to take place at a much greater scale in the body of Christ. So we, we have to understand this, you know, because what's being professed and proclaimed today is that, you know, it, it, now is the coolest time to be a Christian. What? No. What, what the Bible is, is indicating that this is a time where we have to be very careful and circumspect of, of what's taking place and realize where we're headed. We are headed towards a separation, whether you like it or not. That's what the Bible is implying. Yes. You know, it's scary. It's scary. Like, you know, I, I, I fear for my children. You yeah. know, and the generation that they're growing up in, the aggressive generation, they're, 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 <laughs> can we recover? Let's ask the question. Okay. Assuming, you know, this is just a phase in our country's history. Yeah, know? we're being hyper-emotional. Yeah, we're being hyper-emotional. <laughs> Ah, relax, you know, you know, really? Like Brother Marty just said it. This is happening in the land of the free, these aggressive protests where people are being killed. Yes. People are right. being killed. Can we recover from this and get back to the good old days when we're serving the Lord and singing God bless America? I I I can't say that. It I don't see it. And that's the question, isn't maybe, it? Maybe spots here and there, but as a nation, uh, see it. it ain't happening, man. It ain't happening because we've had the cycle of a couple generations now. What you're witnessing in the famous words of, of one of their own leaders, Malcolm X, is the chickens have come home to roost, man. We have abrogated the, the spiritual authority over the children for, for so many generations now. And through an insidious plan of the destroyer over over a period of multiple de decades, our very school systems were infiltrated with the most demonic teachers and professors who had a had an agenda that had nothing to do with your Sunday school and, and, and your Thanksgiving dinners and your Fourth of July parades that you once embraced as America. You gave your children over to a bunch of, of, of 60 reject, uh, dope-smoking, uh, crazy, perverted people who are fueled by Marxist ideology and who embrace Mao and Lenin and all them nutcases and, and teach your children that they drag their knuckles on the ground and they came from monkeys and that there is no God and that, that you know, the, there's an elite rich class and you got to like destroy all the foundations of the country. And that's all they've been hearing for 20 and 30 and 40 years. And those children you see in the streets, that's who they are. They were taught that. And we sent our children there, and we, we stepped aside, and the American church gave itself over to, to, to lust and materialism and, and, uh, and your best life now. And all. How's your best life now working out for you now? Because they're, <laughs> they're turning right. on uh -huh. Right. And so the question you ask is vital, brother, brother, brother Fernando. You're absolutely right. Ask yourself, are you going to turn this around? Where's this great awakening coming from? Why have the preachers been silent at this time? All these great, you know, they know how to name it and claim it, and they know how to tell you how to how to live your best life now, and they know how to, you know, bless you and this and that. And that. I mean, all the madness we've heard for years. Where are they? Their, Where's their, their message? Their message makes no sense at this point in time. <laughs> and it well, won't, put it won't, well, well, 
Why don't they put it to the practice right now? Go, go, go give that message to a demon possessed, to one of these Antifa, and see, and see what the, if it's going to work on them. Talk right. to them about their best life now. Try it. Yeah, go, 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 hold, go hold church in Chaz in Seattle on Sunday morning and see what happens to you. One, one, guy, one right. guy went down there and right. tried to do it, right? What'd they do to him? They, they, they held him by his arms and a homosexual came up and kissed him and said, How's it, how does it feel to be kissed by a homosexual? I mean, that's what they think of your Jesus. This is yeah. the aggressiveness that Jesus was revealing. And what he was telling the wise was, wake up and discern that when you see this Sodom-like behavior, when you see this days of Noah-like stuff going on, understand I'm coming. And that, mm-hmm. and that you, you're going to have to have the same kind of response that the wise had in verse 9, right? Which brings us to verse 9. It says, but the wise answered the foolish. Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. You go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. We're going to pick it up here tomorrow. Because now Jesus is transitioning and beginning to open up the book of Revelation to us, if we can see it. And tomorrow we're going to deal with the wise. We're going to deal with the destruction of America that's coming. The kind of thing that we don't want to hear. The kind of thing that we can't even possibly wrap our head around it. But understand that what is transpiring before us has not come upon us by way of, oh my gosh, this just, I woke up one day and this just happened. This has been the progressive chipping away at the very foundational principles of a country that once cried out to God and had God bless it and then rose to its position of prominence coming out of World War II, becoming the greatest industrial, political, educational, and religious power the world had ever seen. But when it became fat and happy and sassy, so to speak, it fell away, and it gave itself over to the very things that brought about the destruction of all the world's great empires before it. Only this time, it was even worse, because this empire identified itself as a child of God, as a Judeo-Christian society. And so it began to systematically pass its laws (laughs) and reject everything that God had blessed it with, shaking its fist in the face of the very God who sent his son on Calvary 2,000 years ago so that a nation could flourish and be blessed like this nation, like this nation's been blessed unlike any nation ever before in the history of the world. Yes. And our streets are burning. Our churches are being attacked. Our history being destroyed. Not because of a bunch of radical right-wing lefties, but because it was a nation who gave itself to those things. It turned its back on God. Right. And it surrendered its its glory and beauty, its righteousness. Jerusalem, Jesus said, you who killed the prophets who God sends to you, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And now your house is left to you desolate. And you will not see me here again until you cry, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Those words he spoke to his own people 2,000 years ago. And those words have been pronounced over this country. And you see, Jesus said, at the end of time, man, there's going to be a group of wise people. That's what they did. They answered the foolish. 
The word answered is to conclude for oneself. That's what Brother Fernando just said. What do you conclude about our time? Are you awake in the spirit? What do you conclude? What do you actually see that's happening? See, God is coming. He's coming to us, all of us. When it says they answered, it comes from the Greek word apo, A-P-O, and it, and it literally means that they concluded they needed to separate themselves. It means the separation of one thing from another by which union or fellowship of the two is destroyed. That's what they were literally saying. They weren't actually speaking that to them, but while they were answering the foolish, these aggressive, demonically inspired people that emerge at the midnight hour, they concluded this is different. We've been hanging with these people all the way to the midnight hour, right? We've all been together, but something different has just transpired. Something has woken us up. Something has given us discernment. And we conclude, the wise conclude, I've got to break fellowship. They understood at the deepest level. That's what Jesus is saying. They had full discernment. They're fully awake. That's what he's calling us to. They understood at the deepest level what is really going on here, man. They understand that he's coming. And what they say reveals timing as well, right? Times and seasons. It's meant to alert the final generation, the final generation of the church, the wise, that it is now, here, that the time has arrived and that his return is imminent and that things are accelerating. Notice what they say to them. You go to them that buy and sell. It's incredible as to the timing the Lord is showing us wanting us to understand by them sending them by him putting this in the story he's implying that a system is already in place a system of commerce goods and exchanges he's showing the division he's showing the timing he's showing what's just ahead and we know from what he's saying here that the only way you can buy and sell at the midnight hour is what the book of revelation reveals is coming the antichrist the mark of the beast. He identifies these as the false church, and it's right here that they begin to part. The Antichrist system is here. We're only we're only moments away from its manifestation. Don't you remember when this began to happen? They were telling we can't even use cash, right? We can't buy anything with cash because it might have the virus on it, right? And yeah, businesses are right. right. We'll take a card, but we won't take cash. So what are they doing? We know what they're doing. They destabilized the greatest economy on the face of the earth. Why? Because they want to rebuild it. But before they rebuild it, they want to flood our economy with trillions of dollars, $13 trillion that have absolutely no backing behind them. It's false because it gives the super elite rich an opportunity to recoup all the losses that happened in the first couple months of the year. So then they can take their pile of money and go away. But when the shoe drops, brother, the entire economy is going to collapse. And those who haven't seen it coming are going to wake up and realize it's gone. And into this will ride the solution of the globalist elite. That's what Jesus is preaching about. A system is coming. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, while they went to buy, 
right? This is hope, man. Verse 10, the bridegroom come. What does it say? They that were ready, they went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Brother Jeremy, would you read us Psalm chapter 18, verse 28? Yes. And we're going to pick this up tomorrow, right here. Because there's something that's coming and the Lord is revealing that we haven't seen before. And we're going to see it in a greater depth as we close out this series tomorrow. And we don't mean to scare you. We don't mean to startle you. We don't mean to freak you out. We just want to fellowship with you. Because when they said not enough, like we talked about yesterday, if we give you what we got, we ain't got enough for us. We talked to you what those words actually mean. They were literally saying a barrier has to be created, a barrier of light. And if I, I can't give of the oil, for me to take the holy that God has given me and give it to you kind of people, it would defile not only me, but it would defile you. Both of us would be defiled, and it would break fellowship with my other brothers and sisters that retain the oil, the holy, the pure, the consecrated, the sanctified, the preserved in Christ. What does he say in 18 verse 28, Brother Jeremy? It says, For thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. These are the words spoken of King David. It's a messianic psalm. It's speaking of the end of time when you read it all the way through. And he references this. We can draw from that. David was speaking under the spirit of Christ that flowed through him. You're going to light my candle. That word candle in the Hebrew means lamp. You're the one who lights my lamp. You're the one who brings light in the midst of the darkness at the end of the age. We... We have well entered the end time, brothers and sisters. If you can discern it, then you have oil. Be glad. Understand understand this, brothers and sisters. A sobriety of spirit and soul is required at this time. What do we do, Brother Marty? Pray, man. (laughs) We need to pray now with the understanding. And don't be moved by the highs and the lows of the events that are going to be transpiring before our eyes. For what is known to the wise is revealed by the oil in the lamp, right? A a soul aflame with the voice of the Lord that, that can be heard if you're listening. These are serious times. And we, the church, in these end of days, we are privileged unlike any generation unlike any generation since the day our Lord first appeared on earth, in my opinion, 2,000 years ago, when he took away the sin and gave birth to a glorious church. For 2,000 years, the tares and the wheat have grown together. But now, separation is beginning. And remember, light has no fellowship with darkness. Now is the time we must fellowship with the wise. Let him that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Because like the voice of the midnight cry said, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Are you ready? And will you meet him? He's soon to appear. Tomorrow we'll conclude our series as we dig into that glorious promise. A separation and we're going to open up more of what the Lord was saying in this extraordinary, extraordinary parable in his answer to the disciples, what shall be the sign of the end of the world.
we believe those times are now. We love you, and we're praying for you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy. Amen. 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 He that keeps you, he that's going to sustain you in this hour, I want to leave you with this psalm, Psalms 121. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. Hallelujah. We pray the Lord bless you. We pray the Lord keep you. And we look forward to seeing you and being with you tomorrow as we conclude, if the Lord allows, this uh, series on the Ten Virgins. Keep looking up.